Fortnite. Seems like everyone is playing this online video game that's exploded in popularity. And at least one college is offering scholarships to skilled Fortnite players. Good morning. I'm Robin Shannon. And on today's Fordham Conversations, I'm joined by Nicholas Tampio, tenured associate professor of political science at Fordham University. He recently wrote the article, Fortnite Could Be Teaching Us the Wrong Lessons About How to Be Good Citizens. So I want to start out, could you just explain why is Fortnite so popular? Well, I mean, it's kind of like a perfect video game. I mean, it's been years in development um, going back to the 1990s where they came up with the the platform for the uh, sort of battle royale format. And it's been tinkered. And I mean, it is an incredibly fun, exciting, visually stimulating game. I can understand its appeal. If I was younger, I would have loved to have played it. I think I think I'm outside of the demographic now. I mean, it's mostly young men and it's mostly before the age of 30 are about 70% of the players. But it, it really is just an, a very exciting game. And there's very few real world experiences that will give you the same rush of adrenaline and dopamine. And so I understand its appeal. So how is it played? So the the way that it plays them, there's different formats, but by far the most popular format of Fortnite is some, a game called Battle Royale. And Battle Royale is you're, give, you're given a character, you're, you have an option whether to put skins is what they're called, like costumes on your character. And then a bus brings you over an island, it drops you over the island, or you can drop yourself and you can parachute down to various sectors of the island. And you have an axe and you can swing the axe and you can get supplies and weapons and uh, healing potions or jugs. And the purpose of the game is to be the last one standing. And one of the ingenious features of the game is that there's something called the storm, which is a circle on the island that contracts. So you're brought into closer proximity with other players. And so every game is about 20 minutes. And so it just keeps getting more and more exciting that one of the features of the game is that if you die, you can come back right in in a different game. So it's just a, a nonstop adrenaline rush for, for as long as you want to play the game. And some of that those long-term consequences you said, for example, in your article, you mentioned the health consequences of having kids play Fortnite and other games that are deemed violent. So what can you explain that? Yeah. So uh, Nicholas Cardaris is a doctor, and he wrote a book called Glow Kids. And the scientific uh, part of my ar- argument really draws upon his work. And so... You know, one critique of my position has been that there's no evidence that playing video games leads to to shooting. And there have been some prominent studies that say that video games don't lead to violence. And the fact is, is that there aren't that many shootings to sort of see a big pattern yet. So I don't want to make that the basis of my argument. But one of my one of the points that Cardaris makes that I'm taking up is that playing video games changes you somehow, right? Just like doing anything for a long period of time changes you. If you watch TV for a long time, it changes you. If you read books for a long time, if you go for a walk in the woods and breathe fresh air and the sunshine, that changes you in certain respects. And so there have been studies that talk about how playing video games can make you more aggressive. And that doesn't strike me as a particularly controversial uh, finding. I'm, so there's a study from 2011 at Indiana University where they got two groups of, of young men. Both groups had not played video games, and then they took MRIs of both groups. Then they let them play video. One, the, the intervention group, they played video games, violent video games for a week. 
Then two weeks after the initial brain scan, they took the brain scan again in the group that had played the violent video games. The part that regulates social emotions and aggression um, had been weakened, had not been as activated. And so the fact is, is that it does make you more prone to being aggressive when you're driving, when you're communicating with people, when you're talking with other people. Now, what kind of aggressive? Because I don't see, you know, aggressiveness might not be that bad of a thing if it's going to make you be more of a go-getter but it's not that kind of aggression. No, I don't I don't think saying. I don't think it's that kind of aggression at all. I mean, Cardaros's book has some really disturbing portraits of young men who are living in their base, you know, parents' basement playing video games all day long, playing Call of Duty and they're just thinking in terms of military strategy, but really they're just sitting in a chair. The kind of aggression that bothers me is So is it like bypassing bypassing critical thinking and more towards like an emotional aggression? Well, Here's a, a, a way you, to test it is that if you go to twitch.com, they stream games of Fortnite and you can watch players talk. And there's also a bar on the side that has words about people commenting about the game. As Wait it's a minute. This game is so popular <laughs> that they have a website where you can just watch other people play it. Yeah. So, You're not playing it yourself. I'm just watching other people. Play yeah. It. So I, I played a little bit of Fortnite and I'm terrible at it. But, you know, I didn't invest that much time in it. I, I sh probably could be good, but whatever. <laughs> but the fact is, is that like, you know, you have to learn how to use the keyboard and use the mouse if you really want to take it to the next level and get headset and get so you can hear where the different players are. If you want the next level. So they level. learn training on this yeah. website. Well, so with twitch.com, you can just sit and watch other players play. And so the most popular player in the world is this man, uh, Tyler Bevins, and his, he goes by Ninja. If you just do a Google search for Ninja, Fortnite, Twitch, you can watch video games of him playing. And they're entertaining. You know, uh, there's but a, doesn't he make like millions of dollars makes millions. just playing this video game? Yeah, he makes millions of dollars. And supposedly he's the most, what's the exact term? But he gets more social media mentions than anybody else in the planet. Like he's the like the most popular entertainer by social media metrics on the planet. And... You know, and so what, what's, what I think is happening is that part of democracy works when people can communicate with each other, when they're good listeners to each other, when they're actually opening their hearts and really being, being a good listener is hard work. When you play Fortnite, you're basically just talking about how to avoid getting killed, how to kill other people. Nice move, nice dance, nice. You, you can do little emojis and little um, yeah, emojis and, and chats and texts. And I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, like we're raising a generation of young people to communicate this way. And that's not that sustain democratic characteristics. I want to go back to this channel where you could just watch this video game. So here you have this this kid, Tyler. I'm mm -hmm. assuming he's a kid. He might yeah. be 20. Uh, he's in the mid-20s. Okay. Um, he's getting played millions of dollars. Where's my Pac-Man money? I mean, <laughs> yeah. So have you have you watched this? Yeah. So I um. So when you invited me to be on the show, I said, all right, well, let me watch a couple hours of Twitch just to sort of get the juices flowing to think about Fortnite again. And um. And at no point did they talk about anything else. It wasn't a gateway to say, hey, let's become friends and talk about some other issues. All they did was talk about or look at. Yeah, so there, so there's been concerns that adults can sort of target kids in the same way that any open access media platform that. So, I mean, I think that's a that's a concern about, you know, where do you live? Um, you want to meet up or something like that. But I've had some friends told me they talk a little bit about, hey, how are you doing and things like that. But at least from from my watching it, 99 percent of the communications is about Fortnite and about the culture of Fortnite. And now, listen, people are allowed to be parts of social groups where they hang out with like minded people and they're allowed to relax and they're allowed to have friendship. My concern is when people are playing 
8, 10, 12, 14 hours a week, and it's just consuming their time. I mean, when I teach classes at Fordham, I told my students, I said, I'm writing this article for the conversation about Fortnite. What do you guys think about Fortnite? And like my job was done for the day. <laughs> like I just wrote on the board things that they were telling me. And what I, were some of the things they were saying? Here's some of the things. So that one um, student was a uh, coached wrestling, and he said that some students that uh, that he had coached threw matches so they could go under the bleachers and play Fortnite. Oh, Okay, so but, they're they're almost trying to separate themselves from the real world so they can go to this virtual world. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, that's absolutely what's happening. And one thing, a lot of people joke, but it's actually truth is that boys are playing a lot of Fortnite and are showing less interest in girls and dating. And so, uh, lots of students shared stories about, like, one student shared a story where she came back to her house where her younger sister and her boyfriend were alone in the basement together, and she walked down, and he was playing Fortnite <laughs> instead of like holding hands or, or smooching or something like that. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So okay. you know, good or bad. You know, some some parents joke that this is good. You know, I'm par I'm partly concerned uh, when you take a broad view of education. Education isn't just the amount of time that you're sitting in a chair at school. Education is all of the day, right? And so the question is, are we training young people how to be good spouses? Are we teaching them how to be good siblings, children, parents? Are we are we preparing them for all of the social roles that they're going to have to inhabit when they become adults or even in their current age? And I'm just concerned about that. I just think that Fortnite, when you play it for a couple of hours a week, and a lot of kids are playing it for long, long stretches, it's not... Negatively, it's teaching you bad things, but it's also taking away time that you could be spent learning other things. Uh, Nicholas, also in your article, you said that um, you believe that Fortnite could have an effect on the way children view the world. Can you give me specifics about that? Well, I'll give you the, a little bit of the background and then I'll directly answer your question. So one of my uh, heroes in political philosophy is Jean-Jacques Rousseau, and he wrote a book in the 1780s called Constitution of Poland. And um, it was it was kind of a thought exercise about how do you teach young people to view themselves as citizens. And one of the things he, he said is one of the most important things, dare I say it, is childhood games. And so the kind of games you play as a child influence the kind of adult that you become. So one example is dodgeball. Right. So that if you can, if you imagine that you play lots and lots of dodgeball where you're throwing the balls at, at slower people and weaker people and, you know, you're trying to knock them over and maybe even hit them in the head. And, you know, that's that's maybe not a great way to build good community spirit or civic values. Right. So Rousseau was keen on games that people would play together. And he thought if you're going to create a community, you got to start young where you teach people that they're they have to look out for one another. I haven't yet written the essay or the book that explains what I think the positive uh, games are or what the positive habits are. But just the insight is that we need to teach people to do things where they're part of like a collective, where everybody benefits together. So I'm not saying get rid of sports, but I am saying let's let's talk about things like going for class hikes or class field trips or class activities where everybody wins or you're coming up with activities where different skill sets have a chance to shine. So you do cooking for each other or you do a community garden or you build literally build a fort outside. 
somebody once wrote that uh, playing Fortnite was the same as playing forts in the woods. And that, that strikes me as manifestly false. That it's a very different skill set of, of being in fresh air, using your physical body, helping other people to build a structure that will stand as opposed to playing by yourself a video game where you're instantly building up structures to get to a higher spot where you can shoot other people. Because it's all about you then. And yeah. it's not about some place that you can go to and play eventually. Yeah, and it's all about you and it's all about your squad. That one one comment I heard that was hard to believe was somebody said that, that Fortnite teaches you socialist values because you're part of a squad with like three other people. So you're a team of four are fighting other squads. And I wanted to be like, you know, that's what like a criminal gang is. Right. Like that's not teaching you how to care about everybody else. That's teaching you how to look out for your your friends who are playing Fortnite. That's exactly my concern about individualism. Uh, Nicholas, also in your article, you said that um, you believe that Fortnite could have an effect on the way children view the world. Can you give me specifics about that? Well, I'll give you the, a little bit of the background and then I'll directly answer your question. So one of my uh, heroes in political philosophy is Jean-Jacques Rousseau, and he wrote a book in the 1780s called Constitution of Poland. And um, it was it was kind of a thought exercise about how do you teach young people to view themselves as citizens? And one of the things he, he said is one of the most important things, dare I say it, is childhood games. And so the kind of games you play as a child influence the kind of adult that you become. So one example is dodgeball, right? So that if you can, if you imagine that you play lots and lots of dodgeball where you're throwing the balls at, at slower people and weaker people and, you know, you're trying to knock them over and maybe even hit them in the head. And, you know, that's, that's maybe not a great way to build good community spirit or civic values, right? So Rousseau was keen on games that people would play together. And he thought if you're going to create a community, you got to start young where you teach people that they're, they have to look out for one another. I haven't yet written the essay or the book that explains what I think the positive uh, games are or what the positive habits are. But just the insight is that we need to teach people to do things where they're part of like a collective, where everybody benefits together. So I'm not saying get rid of sports, but I am saying let's, let's talk about things like going for class hikes or class field trips or class activities where everybody wins or you're coming up with activities where different skill sets have a chance to shine. So you do cooking for each other or you do a community garden or you build literally build a fort outside. Somebody once wrote that uh, playing Fortnite was the same as playing forts in the woods. And that that strikes me as manifestly false. That It's a very different skill set of, of being in fresh air, using your physical body, helping other people to build a structure that will stand, as opposed to playing by yourself a video game where you're instantly building up structures to get to a higher spot where you can shoot other people. Because it's all about you then. And yeah. it's not about some place that you can go to and play eventually. Yeah, and it's all about you and it's all about your squad that... One one comment I heard that was hard to believe was somebody said that that Fortnite teaches you socialist values because you're part of a squad with like three other people. So you're a team of four are fighting other squads. And I wanted to be like, you know, that's what like a criminal gang is, right? Like that's not teaching you how to care about everybody else. That's teaching you how to look out for your, your friends who are playing Fortnite. That's exactly my concern about individualism. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon, talking with Nicholas Tampio, tenured associate professor of political science at Fordham University.
We're discussing his recent article, Fortnite Could Be Teaching Us the Wrong Lessons About How to Be Good Citizens. Fordham Conversations couldn't be made without your help. WFUV is member-supported, non-commercial public radio. We rely on your membership to help us pay for and produce the music, news, and public affairs shows like Fordham Conversations that you enjoy. To become a member, call 877-938-8907. That's 877-938-8907. Or make a donation and become a member online at WFUV.org. So, Nicholas, to be fair, there are other video games that people play in isolation. So why did your article focus on Fortnite teaching wrong lessons about functioning in society and not look at other video games? Well, well, Fortnite is a cultural phenomenon. That That's why I wrote my piece. There are a lot of video games that are that are equally bad. So one of its closest competitors and predecessors was this game called Players Unknown Battleground, PUBG. And PUBG is... What's the goal of that? It's a battle royale. You're dropped on an island, and um, it uses the Unreal Engine's form platform that Epic Games developed. So they developed a rough template for battle royale games, and so PUBG bought it from from Epic Games. And then, then subsequently, Fortnite developed this model where that it was free. And that you could spend extra on on V bucks to get particular accessories within the game, but so Fortnite exploded in a way that PUBG didn't. So the way that I learned about Fortnite was that I was walking through the Westchester Mall and I walked by a Microsoft store and it was filled with images of Fortnite and various characters of Fortnite and all the features of the game that you can play using Microsoft equipment. And the fact is, is when you look at the numbers of people who are playing Fortnite, it staggers the imagination. Last I checked, it was about 125 million, but it could easily be more than that. I read an article from the spring of 2018 that at any 1.3 million people can be playing it at one time. Those numbers are just incredible. If you walk through a school right now, you'll see backpacks with Fortnite on them. You'll see clothes with Fortnite for Halloween, you saw lots of kids dressing up as Fortnite characters. And so I think there are other games that can be more violent. So PUBG, when you get hit, blood splatters on the screen. So that's much more violent. So uh, Fortnite is more cartoony. And certainly compared to other games such as Grand Theft Auto, which are really very gruesome and very graphic, that Fortnite is much more appealing and, and parents can sort of get on board with it and they could say all right well there's no blood and it's very cartoony and it's in, in a way inhabiting a saturday morning cartoon but here's my thought from this past week going back to Fortnite after taking a couple of weeks from playing it or, or watching it is that a lot of it is you put other people in the scope of your gun and you pull the trigger and I thought, oh my gosh, with all of the school shootings and with all of the violence in the world, the notion that you're going to play a game where you shoot other people, where I just think, oh my gosh, what, what kind of lessons are we teaching here? And let me just be clear again, I don't think that people are necessarily going to get a gun and go to a, a rooftop and shoot other people. That's going too far. But I just want to say that it's not teaching people to listen. It's not teaching people how to talk. It's not teaching people how to get their thoughts in order, right? It's, it's encouraging monkey brain where you're, you're thinking really fast and your fight or flight 
emotions are always being stimulated and you're not able to sort of sit down. And so a lot of teachers have noticed that kids who play Fortnite are not doing as well in school. And a lot of parents would point out that kids who are playing Fortnite for long stretches often develop some really antisocial habits. But it sounds like the key here also is thinking and critical thinking, because I know someone who babysits Mm -hmm. and the parent says to the person who's babysitting, let the kid play as much Fortnite as they want because or whatever video game it was, because at least I know where they are and what they're doing. And I thought, ultimately, what is that parent's goal as a parent? I recently also spoke with someone who has like a mission statement for his family. He said, I want a mission statement like you have for a company. Um, And there were things he said he wanted his family to accomplish, things he said he would never do. And I just wonder how many people give that much thought to the type of parent they want to be and what, what legacy they want to leave for their kids and what kind of person they want their kids to be. It's like, here's some food, you know, here's your clothes, go to school, do your homework, you're playing video games, whew, now I got peace of mind because I just got home from work and I want some time for myself. So how do we rectify that? That's a great question. And I read when I was writing my article for the conversation on Fortnite, I was reading one mother who said, I love Fortnite because I just say, kids, if you want to play Fortnite, you got to do your homework, bring the laundry downstairs and uh, clear the table. Oh, it's like an allowance. It's an allowance. <laughs> yeah, it's like a bribe or, you know, and I'm thinking, gosh, is that, you know, is that good for the kids? So you've made it perfectly clear how this benefits you, but you haven't made any argument about how this is going to benefit your kids. Well, they get to play the game. Well, they get, they get, to, to, <laughs> they get a reward for something that if they do the hard work of the dishes and the, the laundry, then the reward is they get to do something that they want to do, which it seems like is Fortnite. Right. But the, the question is, is that it's an addictive behavior. And, you know, you could swap out Fortnite and you could say, all right, and uh, to jewel which is, I guess, the new sort of the new smoking for kids where you don't light a match, but you use electronic cigarette to smoke. Or I think con- it was another video game. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to keep up with the kids. Yeah, I know, really. But, you know, th- the fact is, is that he- here's what I can do as somebody who writes and as a professor is that uh, I want to just say, listen, parents, if you have this nagging doubt about whether putting kids in front of Fortnite is the right decision, listen to those doubts. Let me be the person who gives you the confidence to say, you know what? I'm not going to let FOMO, fear of missing out, dictate what I'm going to do as a parent. And I'm going to say, listen, you got to spend time with your grandmother. Listen, you need to rake the yard. Listen, you got to read a book or be in quiet. And I know it's going to be hard. I know you're going to kick and scream. I mean, people make an argument that Fortnite and a lot of other video games are addictive. And when you wean somebody off an addictive behavior, it can get ugly. But part of what I would like to happen is people say, you know what? We've gone too far just because it. we know where the kids are, just because we know what they're doing. That doesn't outweigh all the other kinds of harm that this video game is doing. Let's replace these bad habits with good habits. Let's find out what the kids like and let's give them the resources to do good habits. Now, Nicholas, you gave me the professor answer to when should children be able to get to screens. You've got four boys. Yes. When did you allow them to... Well, they're they're young and it's and it's hard to stop. I mean, when it's four or five and there's sometimes you want an iPad, you know, we we do use iPads and it's and it's almost it's almost impossible to stop. And my wife and I, when we met, we didn't have TVs and we both believe in low tech. 
world. But still, you know, sometimes we have an iPad. Sometimes we've discovered that we need to check it in front of our children. They pop over, look, they're entranced. And then we're like, well, we got to cook dinner or do laundry. And so, you know, I mean, I hope throughout this whole process that I don't sound like I'm moralizing and I'm certainly not claiming that I'm perfect. But one of the reasons that we study politics and think about politics is we realize that it's a collective endeavor to raise kids and to raise the next generation. So, you know, the idea of sending them to a public school where they spend an additional three or four or five hours in front of a screen, that that sounds really problematic. So is the question or the real fear that this screen time and so much screen time is a break away from reality that we're getting deeper and deeper into when you think about the hologram glasses and the, you know, virtual reality. I mean, I uh, read an article about a man in Japan who married a hologram. Oh, my gosh. And um, and you're thinking, wow, that's kind of strange. But the company that made the hologram actually issued 3,000 marriage certificates for people in Japan to marry holograms. So is it a fear of getting further and further away from reality? Is that what the bottom line of the fear is? Or concern, which I should say, not fear. Yeah, well, I believe that democracy is a way of life more than a form of government. And what that means is that we care about other people and we listen to other people and we view other people's well-being as related to ours. and, And I just think that with Tocqueville, I'm afraid that we're developing individualistic habits where people are retreating more and more into smaller circles and eventually they're just going to be by themselves. And so if you're marrying a hologram, you're more or less just saying, I'm no longer going to try to interact with the rest of the world. And that just has negative consequences. And there all- go my social skills <laughs> and there go my communication skills. Yeah. And why should I, you know, why should I care about the, the rising sea tides? Why should I care about climate change? Why should I care about suffering in other parts of the world? And you just get in a world where everybody is retreating more and more into their shell. And I'm just thinking, no, like, we deserve a world where we view each other as friends and we try to like look out for each other and look out for future generations and try to preserve the best elements of the past and try to think about how can we how can we live in a world where everybody's flourishing rather than this world is filled with yucky things i'm going to go play video games by myself and kind of ignore reality yeah absolutely so nicholas uh, a little bit earlier you made a statement about I think it was something that you read that building forts, like going outside where kids are building these little forts, playing army men. uh, Someone said that is the same thing as this game Fortnite, because you're also building in this game. Could you explain a little bit more about why those are actually not the same thing? Yes. So I, uh, so there was an article in education week that was saying that playing video games, uh, building forts on Fortnite with your friends in a beautiful environment is really no different than playing, uh, soldiers outside with your friends and building, uh, forts outside with your friends. And that struck me as just the wrong way to view the situation that when I think about education, I sort of walk through every part of the human body. And I just say, all right, when I'm educating my own children, I realize that they have brain neurons firing whenever they use a different part of their body. And really to get the most maximum experience, you want to get as many of the neurons across their bodies connecting and firing and 
And so when I think about playing outside is that you're breathing fresh air, you're seeing the clouds in the distance, you're hearing the the animals, you're feeling the ground beneath your feet, that when you're looking at other people is that you can simulate their emotions in a degree that you can't simulate when you're just hearing them over over recordings or over uh, speakers, that the, the way to really build deep friendships is physical co-presence, that you actually need to be in the physical presence of other people. And so I would just say that they're not the same and that parents and educators need to figure out ways to put children in places where they can actually physically play and communicate and sympathize and learn about other people. Are you going to write a book on this? Yeah, well, <laughs> my... Um, uh, I have an editor who's who's uh, considering one of my proposals right now, but I would love to dedicate 2019 to to organizing my thoughts and explaining how you have to learn with your whole body and that screens are not an adequate replacement for that. So when you do write that book, you're going to give me a copy and then you're going to come back. On hey, my I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> and yeah, we'll have a much more deeper conversation about this, about the, video games. Yeah, there's, a, there's, an, um, there's an early... Normally you do the research and then you do the interviews. And now I'm sort of like, I was like, somebody has to get this idea out there quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what the article is for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, I need to, I want to go back and reread all the neuroscience and I want to get a little bit deeper in phenomenology and I want to read more about the literature on creativity. And I think really the part where I'm going to add to the discussion is talking about the political implications mm -hmm. that, that I'm drawing upon other people's research to explain the brain functioning to explain the the creativity to explain the philosophy but what, where i can add something is when i say all right let's think about democracy broadly considered like how are we raising children to be good citizens and what does it mean to be a good citizen in the 21st century that that's where i can really add something i'd like to thank my guest nicholas tampio tenured associate professor of political science at fordham university i'd also like to thank my producer andrew millman and senior producer, Marina Koff. For WFUV's Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon. WFUV members help create great radio with their financial support, contributing most of WFUV's funding. Your tax-deductible contribution will help pay for the music, news, information, and public affairs shows you rely on from WFUV. Be part of the community of listeners who support this non-commercial public radio station. Join or renew your WFUV contribution form or call 877-WFUV-907. That's 877-938-8907.